Amen. Amen. Well, we are beyond Thanksgiving now, and now we're into Christmas. Glory. Amen. Just as quick as Thanksgiving came and went, so Christmas will do the same. But in the meantime, as we are here, and we have a few weeks until Christmas, we're going to start a new series today uh, about the gift of Christmas. And today we're looking at the topic, God with us. You know, we have made Christmas uh, throughout the ages, we have made Christmas to be all about the gifts. All of us have talked about, you know, what we want and given our, our, our gift list to our parents and our kids have done for us as well and, and, and on and on it goes. But nevertheless, here's the thing we need to understand. We need to look at as these next few weeks, what really are the real gifts that Christmas brings? And here's a hint for you. It's all about Jesus, all right? So that's what we're looking at uh, today. Today we see the gift of Christmas, God with us. Jesus came at Christmas, but who is he uh, really? Who really is this Jesus? You know, last, a couple years ago at Christmas time, I was reading the newspaper, and I came across a letter to the editor where uh, a person was writing him, wondering why society is seeking to keep Jesus out of the holiday uh, and his letter gave a description of Jesus that was, well, it was kind of interesting. Uh, in it, he had written some things about, uh, explained that Jesus was a person who championed women's rights and, and was an advocate for children who initiated a food bank uh, for th thousands of people when the feeding of the 5,000 and was a peace activist. So just a lot of different ideas he had uh, about who Jesus is. And I got a sense the person really didn't have a good handle on who Jesus really was. It seems like in today's society, as a matter of fact, that we can make Jesus to be whatever we want him to be. You know, if, if we manipulate and distort the, scripture, the scriptures in any sort of way to suit idea, our ideas and our thoughts, we can make Jesus to be whatever we want him to be. But beloved, as we come into this Christmas holiday season, this is something that you need to understand on the Christmas, this Christmas as we move into this season... Make sure that your focus is on Jesus. And make sure that you understand this, that the, the Jesus, the Jesus of the Scripture, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so no matter what you are facing in your life, no matter what you may be facing ahead of you, you can always know that Jesus has not changed. Amen? He is the same. And so we're going to look today at who this Jesus is. But we're, going to, we're not going to look to the editorial page to see who Jesus is. We're going to look to the scriptures, the word of God, and see who Jesus is. And today we're going to see that he is God with us. We're going to look in a couple of places. One, Matthew one twenty three is the first verse that we're going to look at. And then we're going to skip over to the Gospel of John. And we're going to read John 1, 1 through 18, reading those verses. And see again that Jesus is the gift of Christmas. He is not a gift. He is the gift of Christmas. And so we're going to see that as we look through the scripture, as we walk through the message this morning. So in honor and reverence to the word of God, if you'd please stand as I read this passage of scripture, these passages uh, of scriptures uh, for us, uh, that'd be great. The first one's Matthew 1, uh, 23, that says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And then we move over to the Gospel of John. 
In John chapter 1 and following uh, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world. And the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And John bore witness of him, cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me, and of his fullness we have received, and grace for grace. But for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ." No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for the reading of Your Word, and we pray, Lord, that You would be with us during this time of sharing the message. Lord, we know that You have brought us here for a purpose and a plan. Lord, there's a message that we need to hear from You, and Lord, I pray that I'll not get in the way of that. I pray, Lord, that you would use each of us here to hear from you, Lord, to sense your presence in our midst, and we pray that we'd walk away having a renewed sense of who you are, and that no matter what may we be facing in the world as we turn on the news or, or pick up the telephone, that we can know that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that you are God with us. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd have your way in us to be reminded of the godness of who you are. And I pray, Lord, that you would have your way in us. If there are those here today that don't know you as Savior, that this would be that time of salvation. And for those, Father, who do know you, may this be a time of refreshing and renewal and hope and comfort and reminded of who you are. So, Lord, we pray that you'd have your way in us, have your way through us and in the midst of us. And we pray, Lord, that may the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> well, you see the outlines in your bulletin. I want you to follow along as we move along in the message today. And we see a couple things here. The first thing that we're going to look at as we look at uh, this passage specifically, we're really going to hang out in John 1 more than anywhere else. But seeing here, first off, that Jesus, God with us, is the God-man. He is the God-man. Jesus, you need to understand, Jesus is not an ordinary man. Now, he is a fully man, as we'll see in a minute, but he is also fully God. And throughout the Gospel of John, John addresses Jesus as God. He addresses the deity of God, his godness, if you will. Him being, and we see that throughout the entirety of John's gospel. But here in this first chapter of John, he very, very clearly spells out 
of course, that Jesus is God. And we want to look at that here in just a few minutes. And there's three sub-points here that, not in your bulletin, but I want you to just add to. And the first thing that we see here as we think about Jesus, that he is God, our creator. Jesus, God with us, is God, our creator. If you look again at verses 1 through 3, it says that in the beginning was the word... The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. The word here that we see as Jesus is the word word. In the Greek, it's logos. And it's the word that's given to describe the existence of Jesus at the very beginning of time. He is the one who created everything that is. As a matter of fact, if you were to compare Genesis 1 with John 1, we find there in Genesis that in the beginning God created. And in John 1, we find here John 1, in the beginning was the Word. Both of these passages are indicating that God is before creation. And since He is before creation, He therefore is the creator of all that has been created. He is the creator. And so, as the creator, John is saying that the word Jesus is God and that he is the creator. I I really like the way the Amplified Bible puts it in John 1, in the first two verses there. It says, in the beginning, before all time, was the word Christ, and the word was with God, and the word was God himself. He was continually existing in the beginning, co-eternally with God. And I just love that. You see, it tells us that Jesus has always been. Jesus did not just appear on the scene for the first time in a little uh, stall in Bethlehem. Jesus has always been. Y'all with me this morning? He has always been, he is, and he will always be. He is God. He is our creator. He is from eternity. He is eternal. He is God. He existed before he became man, before he became flesh. And then in verse 3 here, we see in the New King James, he says, all things were made through him. Without him, nothing was made that was made. But in the Amplified, it says this, all things were made and came into existence through him. And without him, watch this, not even one thing was made that has come into being without him, right? Without him. Not a single thing that exists came into being except through Jesus Christ. Colossians even backs that up when Colossians 1.16 says, For by him, that's Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, that all things were created through him and for him. And so Jesus is identified as the creator, not the created. Amen? He's the creator, not the created. He is not a God. He is God. He is eternal. He is the creator. And so John's beginning words are a straightforward declaration of the deity of Jesus Christ. He always has been. He always will be. He's always been in a loving fellowship with the Father, and yet he and the Father and the Spirit are one. Jesus is God in human form. Even Jesus declared his own deity later in the book of John. In John chapter 8, in verses 57 and following, the Jews had said to Jesus, You are not yet 50 years old, and you, have you seen Abraham? 
And Jesus speaks up and says, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And so what he is saying is he is equating himself that he, just as God had said to Moses in the burning bush passages, I am who I am, he is equating himself with God. I am. Before Abraham was, I am. And the Jews knew exactly what he was talking about. They knew that he was declaring that himself to be God because it tells us that they took up stones to throw at him. It was blasphemous to compare yourself or to say that you were God. And so they said they were going, they're showing here that they were going to try to destroy him because he was declaring to be deity. But beloved, he is. Amen? Amen? He is. This Jesus is eternal. He is the creator. He is God. He is God. And he is God the creator. He is also God the conqueror. He is God the conqueror. Look in verses 4 and 5. It says here, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So these verses tell us that Jesus is the life. He is life, and he is light. If you notice there in verse 4 that life is not said to have been created, but rather that life existed in Christ. We are dependent on God for life. He is the one who has the power to bestow life. And as creator God, listen, life is in Jesus and it is from Jesus. Listen, our very existence, both spiritually and physically, depends on Jesus to sustain us. He is our life. We need Jesus to live. We need him to live physically, but also we need him to live spiritually. He is life. And as we think of him being life, Warren Wearsby points out that there are at least four essentials for human life in order for us to be sustained. There are four essentials. He says that they are light. You need, you need sunshine. You need light. You need air in which to breathe. You need water uh, to drink to keep you hydrated. And you need food uh, to keep you um, uh, living and the Lord knows we've had plenty of that in the past few days. Amen? So we need light, we need air, we need water, we need food. And what he says is that Jesus fulfills all four of those. He fulfills all of those to be our life. He's the light of life and the light of the world, according to John 8. And in Malachi, he's, he's called the son of righteousness. He is our light. By, the, by his Holy Spirit, he gives us the breath of life in John chapter 3. He is the air in which we need. He is, as well, he's the water of life in John chapter 4. And finally, Jesus is the living bread of life and that came down from heaven, according to John chapter 6. So he not only has life, and not only does he give life, but beloved, Jesus is life. In John 14, 6, he said, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the life. And as the life, as he is the life, therefore then, he is the conqueror of death. Since he is life, he has conquered death. Death, listen, death has no hold on the person who knows Jesus as Savior. I don't believe y'all believe that. Come on now. 
I'm telling you that death has no hold on the person who knows Jesus as Savior because Jesus has conquered death. He is life. He's the conqueror of death. And as that old preacher once said, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't, uh, couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree against him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, but the grave couldn't hold him. I'm telling you, he's the life. Amen? He is life. He's the conqueror of death as life, but also he is the light, so means, which means he is the conqueror of darkness as well. He's the conqueror of darkness. In verse 5 it tells us there, And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now it tells us here, uh, that I, well, we know also from Isaiah that Isaiah prophesied about the coming of salvation as people who were living in darkness, they would see a great light. Jesus is the light. As a matter of fact, in Isaiah 9 verse 2, it says, the, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. So listen to what Jesus says about himself in John chapter 8. We have the prophecy of Isaiah 9, but in John chapter 8, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So Jesus is not only the conqueror of death, he is also the conqueror of darkness. I love how the Amplified Bible says it in verse 5 even. It says, the light shines on in the darkness, and the darkness did not understand it, or overpower it, or appropriate it, or absorb it, and is unreceptive to it. In other words, so you see that just as a single candle or match can overcome a room filled with darkness, so also the powers of darkness are overcome by the person and the work of Jesus Christ because of his work on the cross of Calvary. You see, friends, I don't know if you've ever been uh, in places where there's complete darkness, but there are places like that where it's really, really dark. I just go out to the country sometime on a cloudy night, all right? And it can be really dark, and sometimes in your house, if, you, if the power goes out, it can be dark. But here's the good thing, is that if you have a candle, if you have a match, and you light that candle, light that match, there's no amount of darkness that can overcome that light. But that one light overcomes the darkness. And that's who Jesus is. He is the one who has overcome the darkness, friends. Friends, I don't know where you are in your life. Maybe you're going through a dark time. I'm here to tell you that Jesus is the light. He has not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he still overcomes the darkness. You might think the darkness is about to win in your life. <laughs> oh, but let me tell you what. If you know Jesus Christ as Savior, the darkness will not win in your life. He will not win. It will not win because the light has overcome the darkness. Amen? I'd preach right there, I believe. Amen. <laughs> So Jesus is the God-man. He's the creator. He's the conqueror of death. He's the conqueror of darkness. And beloved, he is the God who came. He's the God who came. If you look at verses 10, 11, and verse 14, it says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him. The world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Verse 14, And the word became flesh, that Jesus became flesh, and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And then if you remember Matthew 1, 23, which Matthew here is quoting from Isaiah, he says, as they're asking about the name of Jesus, it says, Behold, the virgin shall 
shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. So Jesus is God with us, the God who came. He is eternal God. He is the creator and the conqueror of death and the conqueror of darkness. And he's the God who became man. He is God with us. He is the gift of Christmas, beloved. The God who came, the God who is with us. He is the eternal word who is God in the flesh. You see, without becoming less than God, Jesus took upon himself complete human nature. The Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 2, Verses 5 through 7. Then let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. He took the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And then we find in verse 14 of John 1, and the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. He became flesh. The word became flesh. The word became refers to something that one was not before. So the word became flesh. So the Lord Jesus, at a particular time in the past, he became that which he was not before, a physical being. Well, how does that happen? How does God become flesh? Well, the Bible tells us because of the miracle of the virgin birth. Amen? That's how it happened. And he is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He took on himself sinless human nature and he identified with us in every aspect of life from birth to death. He is fully God, but also he is fully man. In the scriptures we find as fully man, we find that he was weary, that he was thirsty, that he was tempted. We find that he wept, that he died, and that he bled. You see, he was a fully man. Oh, but he was also fully God. In that he took the sin of the whole world upon himself as the sinless son of God. And he rose bodily from the grave. He is fully man. And he is fully God. And he is the God with us. God who came. He existed before time began. But he came and dwelt among us. He is God with us. Okay, so pastor. So if Jesus is God... And if he existed from all of eternity and he had enjoyed the splendor of heaven and he, he's, he was God in heaven, being God in heaven, why did he become a man? Why did he come here? Could he have done this another way? Beloved, he came to save the lost. He came to save us who are lost. He came to show us the Father. He came to reveal what it is to be fully man without sin. He came to give us life and he came to show us the way to have life. But to do so, he had to come to earth and to identify with us. Now, you may have heard this story before. Uh, Paul Harvey told this story years ago, but just in case you, you haven't, it seems that there was this one very raw winter night when a farmer was in his house and as he was in his house he heard this irregular thumping sound that was coming against the kitchen storm door. And so as he went to the window to look out, he was watching out his window and he saw that there, there were these tiny shivering sparrows who apparently were attracted to the warmth inside the house and they were beating in vain against the glass to get into the house. 
Well, the farmer was touched by that. He felt for these little birds, and so he bundled himself up, and he trudged out through the fresh snow, and he went out to his barn door, and he opened the barn door for those struggling birds to possibly go in. He turned on the lights inside the barn. He tossed some hay in the corner of the barn. He sprinkled a trail of saltine crackers to direct them to the barn. But the sparrows, which had scattered in all directions when he came out of the house, they, they were still hiding in the darkness because they were afraid of the man. Well, the man tried various tactics. He, he circled behind the birds to, to drive them toward the barn. He tossed those cracker crumbs in the air toward them to maybe think that would do it. And finally, he just retreated to his house to see if they would just flutter into the barn on their own. But nothing worked. You see, he, a big man, an alien creature to the birds, well, he had terrified them. The birds couldn't understand that he actually desired to help them, that he was actually offering them life. But they didn't understand that. So the farmer withdrew to his house, and he watched those doomed sparrows through the window. And as he stared, a thought hit him like lightning from a clear sky. He thought, if only I could become a bird, one of them, just for a moment... Then I wouldn't frighten them so, and I could show them the way to warmth and to safety and to life. And at the very same moment, another thought dawned on him that he had grasped the whole principle of the incarnation, God with us. The very reason that Jesus was born. He came to show us how to have life. Amen? A man's becoming a bird is nothing compared to God becoming a man. The concept of a sovereign being as big as the universe, God who is the creator, God who is the conqueror of life, and God who is the conqueror of darkness, God himself becoming a man, confining himself to a human body, was and is just too much for some, to, some people to believe. But beloved, let me tell you, it is what has happened it's what has happened God came he is God with us the word became flesh he dwelt among us Jesus the God man who is the creator and the conqueror of death and darkness he came he is God with us and he is the gift of Christmas secondly we see not only is he the God man he is also the God message Jesus is the message of God What is this message he brings? What is the message that he brings? Well, there's a couple things here we need to see as well. First off is that his message is unlike any other. His message is unlike any other. Sometimes we like to get messages. Sometimes we get texts and we like those. Sometimes we get a Facebook message, we like those. Sometimes we see these messages and more of these are great things. Sometimes it's not so good news, sometimes it is. But boy, we love it and we get good news. But here's the message that is unlike any other other. It is the gospel message. It is the good news of Jesus' message. In verse 12, it says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Friends, that is a message unlike any other message. It is good news for us. Jesus brings the message of God that there is hope for you and you and you. 
and you, and you, and you. There's hope for all of us. His is the message of God that God loves you and he wants to be in a relationship with you. He He is the message, the truth, the way of salvation. And beloved, that is good news. It's unlike any other message. It's the message that God has made a way for you to be saved. It's the message that God has made the way for you to be reconciled to God. He's made the way for you to be right with holy God. He's made the way for you to be saved from perishing. This message is unlike any other that in that you can do nothing to earn this salvation that you can't be good enough to be saved because we're all sinners the message is that you can't do enough because doing does not earn you God's favor it may earn you a good feeling but it never earns you God's favor you see friends you must simply believe the end of verse 12 says to those who believe in his name John 3, 15 through 16 says this, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, this is a message that's unlike any other. You're not working for your salvation. You're believing by faith for your salvation. It is by grace that we have been saved through faith. Jesus, the message of God is unlike any other and is the ultimate good news. But also, the second part of this is that as we look at these passages is that it is unfathomable, unthinkable, unimaginable, and his, that his love is so unconditional. Now say that three times really fast, all right? Here's the message here. The, the God message is that as Jesus has come, when we see him, we see someone who is unfathomable, unthinkable, unimaginable, that his love is so unconditional. Well, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, let's look at verse 10, 11 again. The Bible here says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. So what, is, what does that mean? Well, it tells us here that he came to his own world that he had made. He is the creator of the world. He came into this world, but even his own creation, the world did not know him. And also that he came to his own people, meaning the Israelites, and they rejected him. And so as we think about that, the creator came to among his own people, and we did not know him. He came to his own people, and they rejected him. Here is what is so unfathomable. Here's what is so unthinkable. What is so is unimaginable is that he loved us anyway. That's what is so wild about this. He loves us anyway. No, because listen, he knows this before he came, and yet he still came. Glory, hallelujah, amen. He still came. Well, how did he know that? Well, he's God. He knows all things. As a matter of fact, he's the God who even inspired the prophet Isaiah to write in Isaiah 53 these words, that he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed." That is so unimaginable to us that God, the same God who inspired the prophets, 
with these words, knew what was going to happen. And yet he left the splendor of heaven and he came for you and for me. He left heaven to die a cruel death on a cross to save us from sin and hell and death and to give us life. And that is the message of his unconditional love for us. Amen? Jesus is the message of God. He's the message of good news, that there's hope, there's life, there's, that death has been defeated, that there's light. You don't have to live in darkness. You don't have to perish in hell for all of eternity. The way has been made of our salvation. Oh, friends, this is the gift of Christmas. It is the gift of God. Oh, what a Savior. Amen? It is God's message. I owed a debt I could not pay, but he paid a debt that he did not owe. And he did that for us. It is also not only a message here but of uh, being unthinkable and unfathomable, but it's also it's a message that is universal. Look again at verse 12 and 13. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So what this says to us, that Jesus, the God message, is that those who receive him by faith are born of God and become children of God. As many as received him, he gives the right to become children of God. That means, friends, listen, it doesn't matter who you are. No matter what side of the tracks you were born on, no matter what your education, the message is for you. That Jesus came to save you. And oh, what a gift of God. Oh, what a Savior he is for us. So the spiritual birth of new life... This victory and salvation is not of blood, the Bible says in verse 13, meaning it doesn't come by your parents or your grandparents. You don't come to know Christ because your, your parents or, gran- or your grandparents are saved, and so therefore you automatically come to know Christ or you automatically are saved. No. My grandmother was a prayer warrior, but I had the same responsibility that she did that I needed to know Jesus Christ for myself as Lord and Savior of my life. Just because she was a prayer warrior does not automatically make me a Christian. Amen? It's not of blood. It's not of the will of the flesh, it says. Which means it's not because of the physical impulse. In other words, there's nothing, it's not initiated by the natural self for me to come to know Christ. The Holy Spirit draws us to himself. There's nothing natural within me that wants me to be a follower of Jesus. It all comes from the Holy Spirit who is drawing us to himself and, when we're, and he changes us. So it's not of the will of the flesh, nor is it of the will of man. In other words, it's not something that's done by someone else on your behalf. My mama, as I was growing up, she may have wanted me to receive Christ as Savior, and she did, but there's nothing she could have done to make that happen. For your own children and your own grandchildren, you may desire that in your children and grandchildren, and indeed you should, but there's nothing you can do to make them come to know Christ as Savior and Lord. You can't make them do that. We pray, indeed we must pray for them, but there's nothing you can do to make that happen. It's not of the will of man, but it's for those who believe in his name. That's how people come to know Christ. It's a message that is universal. So every person must individually trust Jesus Christ for eternal life. It's a gift from God that must be received by faith, but it's a universal gift to all who receive him by faith. The question is, have you? Have you received this gift by faith? That's the question. The gift of God. The one who has not changed, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God with us. 
The God-man who is the creator, the conqueror of death and darkness, who came, who came to save the lost, to give us hope. That's his message. That's God's message. A message that is unlike any other, that's unthinkable, of unconditional love, that's universal. We see this gift of Christmas. But also we see not only is he the God-man, the God-message, but thirdly we see that he's the God-manifestation. He's the God-manifestation. He reveals, when we see Jesus, he reveals the glory of God. What a glorious gift of God he is. In verse 14 it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Dwelt here comes from the Greek word where it says that he became flesh and dwelt among us. Dwelt comes from the Greek word for tent that was used in the Greek Old Testament for the tabernacle where the presence of God dwelt in the tabernacle. In the Greek, these words recall God's dwelling with Israel in the Old Testament and they sensed and saw the glory of God when the word dwelt or lived is from the word that means this tabernacle. The tabernacle was seen as, the, as where the presence of God mostly dwelt. And so what we find in Jesus, he is the God manifestation. As God manifested his glory in the tabernacle, so Jesus displays the divine presence of God as he walked this earth. He manifests the glory of God. He did so in the very presence of the disciples, Peter, James, and John. At the transfiguration, they witnessed and they beheld his glory. Also, when the disciples, these and the other disciples beheld his glory when Jesus just lived out his life and he taught and he did miracles and he touched people and things happened. And then they saw the glory of God when he, when he died on the cross and the veil was torn in two. And then when the tomb was empty, they saw the glory of God in Jesus. You see, friends, when we see Jesus, we see the glory of God. When we see Jesus, we see God's glory. So how do, we see, how do we see him today? How do we see him? Well, beloved, when we see Jesus at work around us, we see the glory of God. When we think back to our lives and how Jesus saved us in that moment of salvation, we saw the glory of God. Amen? When we see him saving other people and calling people to himself and people giving their hearts to Jesus Christ, we rejoice because we have just seen the glory of God. When people are released from their addiction because they've given their hearts to Jesus, we see the glory of God. When lives are transformed because they've given their hearts to Jesus, we see the glory of God. When families are restored because of Jesus, we see the glory of God. When revival comes and awakening happens, beloved, we see the glory of God. And when you sense his presence as we worship together, we see the glory of God. He manifests himself in the glory of God as he works in our midst. But not only is Jesus the God manifestation where he reveals the glory of God, but he also reveals the grace of God. If you look in verse 16 here, it says, and really verses 16 through 18, but I'm just going to read verse 16. And of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace. One translation says it this way, that because of who Jesus is, grace continues on and on. So since Jesus is God and he is the message of God and the manifestation of the glory of God, then he continues to lavish upon us his grace. Grace for grace. 
That literally means grace piled upon grace or grace lavished upon grace or spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing. You see, friends, if you know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, then this is what we experience. We experience his grace for grace, piled upon grace on us day after day after day. The picture is really being piled on. It's the fullness of his grace. We receive one blessing after another. We see it, the, the pictures being piled on, grace being piled on upon, piled upon, or lavished upon. He lavishes upon us his grace. Or even you may think about when you go to the beach and you stand by the, the seashore or you sit in your balcony and you look at the waves as they roll in, you see that they never stop. Amen? The waves continue to come. And this is what we experience as Christians is the waves of God's grace because of Jesus all the time. We know that we're saved. We know we go through struggles, but he's there. His grace is sufficient. He walks with us. He talks with us. We fail, but his grace is sufficient. He helps us in the midst of temptation. He helps us overcome. His grace is sufficient. He lavishes upon grace upon us, upon grace upon grace. Amen? That's what that means. The Christian life is a constant reception of one evidence of God's grace replacing another. Now understand that according to the law, we're all sinners and we deserve death. But through his grace, he gives us what we do not deserve, which is life. Because he took what he didn't deserve, which is our death. Amen? It's his grace. Oh, what a Savior. What a gift of God, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as we enter into this Christmas season, friends, let that be our focus, that he is the gift of Christmas. He is the one who is the creator who conquered death and darkness, who came to save the lost. He is the message of hope that's unlike any other message. He's a message that is unfathomable, that is unthinkable concerning his unconditional love that is universal to all. And no matter who you are, he came for you to be restored to a right relationship with God. And he is the gift of God that reveals the glory of God and the grace of God. He is the gift of Christmas. He is God with us. And since he is the gift of Christmas, how then do you respond to this gift? And so, I don't have a to-do list. I just simply say, unwrap it, all right? Here's the unwrap it that I want you to look at. So, the first thing that you need to do, knowing what we know about who Jesus is, knowing that he is a God who loves us, he he came to save us, what do you do with this gift, the gift of Christmas? And the first thing you do is you receive it by faith. You see, friends, chances are, maybe somebody went on Black Friday shopping this weekend, And you've got a gift somewhere stored away in your house already. Maybe it's for the preacher. It's that 55-inch TV. I know it is. But you don't want the preacher to have yet. So it's not my gift yet. But if you wrap it and you bring it to me and I unwrap it and I receive it, then it becomes my gift. Amen? Beloved, listen. God has given his gift for us. It's his son, Jesus. You must receive it by faith. Amen? You must receive it by faith. How do you do that? You believe what the Bible says. 
You trust by faith that we're all sinners in need of a Savior. You turn from that sin as we're sinners and turn to Jesus Christ in repentance. And Lord, I'm sorry that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm a sinner and I failed you. But I believe and we embrace with all of our heart that Jesus is God's son who died on the cross and rose again bodily from the grave. We profess it by faith. It's a step of faith. We receive the gift by a step of faith. Nothing we do to earn that. It's a step of faith. So receive the gift by faith. And then the second thing, if you've already done that, you receive Christ by faith, you know that as we think about this gift of Christmas, then the se- se- what you need to do as a believer is you need to walk away from here today simply to love him more and more. Amen? Now, I don't know if you all have ever done this at Christmas time as you were growing up, but maybe you, or maybe you can relate to this to your kids. Uh, when they ask for something, um, I mean, they got to have it. They just got to have it, got to have it, got to have it, whatever that thing is, got to have it, right? And I'm sure none of you ever had to deal with children who just pick, 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 pick about this thing, whatever it may be, right? And they got to have it. You just got to have it. I, I just, I, this is the thing, Dad. This is the thing I've got to have for Christmas. And so, lo and behold, that thing shows up at Christmas time. And boy, it's a grand old day that day at Christmas. But about three days later, They ain't even playing with the thing, right? They forgot about the thing. They're more, in, they're more interested in the box that it came from, right? And playing with the box and making something out of the box and the thing that they asked for. Come on now, right? So they forgot the thing, whatever it was. The gift was not that important to them after all. But beloved, let me tell you something. The gift of Jesus, we should never set aside but we are to love him more and more and more, amen? And never tire of him, amen? Because he is worthy. He is our satisfaction. He satisfies us. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, amen? Let's focus on him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are who you say you are, that you sent your son Jesus to give us hope, to give us a promise that you are the message of our hope. And Lord, we pray that you'd guide us and direct us as we come to this time of invitation, that you'd meet us right where we are. Lord, that you'd guide us if we need a, a word today to just come and pray with a pastor or pray silently to give us strength in the midst of the struggles in which we're facing. Or maybe it's just to say, Lord, I surrender my all to you. I want this Christmas to be all about you. Lord, already I've gotten off track and I want to get back on track to being all about Jesus, that you to be my focus. Lord, I pray that you'd guide us and direct us. Lord, if there are those here today that don't know you as Savior and you're drawing them to yourself, Lord, they feel that nudge, they feel that pull. Lord, I pray that this will be that time where they'll come to either Pastor Joe and myself and say, look, I want Jesus to be my Savior. And we'll be glad to pray with them. Father, as those of us who maybe need to join this church fellowship or you're calling us to make a decision of obedience, or maybe, again, it's just to come and pray about something we're facing. Lord, this is your invitation. May we be obedient and may we hear your voice and may you guide us and direct us at this moment, this sacred moment. And we give you glory, honor, and praise. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand and we're going to sing your great name. Pastor Joe's here. I'll be here. If you want to just come pray with us or pray silently, whatever you need to do, the altar's open as we sing together.